Hello, welcome to Casual Krakoa Live. Hey everybody, I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of comicbookherald.com. Getting situated here to talk about the X-Men comics that came out today. Actually, it's singular. It's just Trial of Magneto number three. We'll talk about that release, and then we'll also answer some of your questions. Uh, some of the topics I want to talk about today, since it is such a light week of new comics, is kind of what's new for X-Men in 2022 that we should be looking forward to. And I think the big picture question here today, the broad question, is in that same vein... What should we be excited for? Because <laughs> X-Men is in a rut. And we're going to talk about it, right? And I've been saying it for weeks. I think a lot of us have been saying it for a while now. Um, the reign of X is definitively a holding pattern. Okay, I'm going to talk about what that means. I'm going to talk about some evidence to back that up. And I'm going to talk about why there's actually, I think, a lot to look forward to in this coming year as we sort of get through Inferno, uh, the Jonathan Hickman written series right now. But hey, thanks for joining everybody. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of Comic Book Herald. Like I said, uh, this is casual Krakoa, okay? So I do cracking Krakoa videos uh, of individual issues when they are meaty enough to warrant exploration on, a, on an individual video basis. And then the casual Krakoa videos here I do a live stream the day the comics come out where we can all hang out, talk about X-Men comics, talk about what's going on in the world of comics, um, and I can answer some questions, answer some feedback, just, you know, talk a little bit about uh, your thoughts about things that are going on in the comics, right? Uh, but yeah, today we're going to talk Trial of Magneto number three and some of those questions that I just mentioned. So again, because there's like one comic that came out today, not like one, there is literally one in the X-Men line, uh, get in any good questions that you have. The Super Chat is open and available. Any support is very, very much appreciated here of Comic Book Herald Endeavors. Helps me with the website. It helps me with the YouTube videos. It helps me with all the fun stuff that I do as a, a semi-professional side gig, <laughs> I think is probably the fairest way to describe what is going on. Um, so here's the thing. Here's the thing about X-Men comics, okay? This is about the semi. That's fine. We're just waiting for 2022. Like, like, here's the thing. We're all just waiting for 2022 X-Men comics. And that feels kind of weird. That actually feels increasingly weird. Because what 2022 means is no more Jonathan Hickman, right? No more House of X, Powers of Ten writer Jonathan Hickman at the helm or in any capacity with the X-Men office, right? It's still be doing stuff with Marvel. Uh, is that going to mean a Spider-Man reboot? Is that going to mean something with Doctor Strange and the magic of the Marvel Universe? Um, I'm increasingly inclined to think it's just going to be like, like big old Spider-Man graphic novels. Like that is, that is increasingly I'm thinking like less what makes sense for Hickman as a creator and more what makes sense for Marvel as a company, which is, okay, if we've got someone who sells like hotcakes and who has a, a really, really high Q rating <laughs> through a decade plus of having created comics, Let's just have them do all the biggest stuff possible. What would that mean? Giant Spider-Man graphic novels. Okay, so anyway, that's not the point. <laughs> that's not what I'm going to focus on. Uh, I'm seeing in the comments here, Inhumans relaunch. No chance. <laughs> I love the Inhumans heads. Like, like God bless all the Inhumans heads showing up, <laughs> wanting the Inhumans back in the Marvel Universe. Fair, fair desire, okay, to have good Inhumans back. Hickman's good with Inhumans. He's done. Hickman's done his Inhumans thing across Fantastic Four and um, and New Avengers. And it's it's not bad. It's not half bad at all. But uh, there is 0% chance. And if I'm wrong on this one, I, I will own it and I will just stop making predictions. There will just be no more predictions on Cracking Krakoa or Casual Krakoa. I will just stop if I'm wrong. 0% chance that uh, Hickman reboots the Inhumans. For the Marvel Universe, sorry, Inhumans heads, no chance. <laughs> no chance. I'm seeing a lot of no thank you to Inhumans as well, which, fair, fair. Uh, okay, so, Hickman's out on X-Men, right? We all know this, it's been happening for a while, he seems happy with it, everyone seems happy with it uh, in the office, quote-unquote, etc., etc. We're all just waiting for 2022, though. Okay, that's weird. That is weird, I think. Um, why are we waiting for 2022? Well, here's the reason, okay? So, Jonathan Hickman going back to the Hickman well, the creator of, of Hawks and Pox, um, co-creator, right, with Pepe Larraz, Harvey Silva, and, and company, uh, on his on his podcast, on his podcast, on an interview on David Harper's sketched off-panel podcast, which is great, 
one of my favorite podcasts year after year. Uh, in this interview, which is very interesting in a number of ways, Hickman literally uses the phrase, <laughs> we punted a year of comics on X-Men. Okay, that is how this year, how the reign of X was described by the head of X. Now, there is context. There is context that goes into that, right? I highly recommend you listen to the actual interview and formulate opinions of your own because context is crucial in all things, right? But the context of that is 2020, coming out of Hoxpox, coming out of the launch of the Dawn of X, there was an X-Men plan. There was a vision. There were new writers that were going to come in. There were books they were going to launch, of course. And then the pandemic kicks off, right? In March 2020, everything shuts down. For a while, comics literally shut down. They literally do not ship comics anywhere. So there's a whole period in there where, and I'm doing recent history that, that most of us know just for the sake of context here, but there's a whole period there where nobody knew how long it was going to go where no comics were being shipped, right? So, but because X-Men were selling well, because they were coming off of this hot moment, X-Men never stopped in the, in the planning phases in terms of like thinking up story to do phases, okay? And apparently that got weird. Then when comics came back and started printing again, is Hickman in the X office had made all these plans that then got upended by the fact that they needed to now adhere to a new distribution platform, okay? And if it sounds muddled and confusing, like, yeah, there's gonna be, there's details to this and there's specifics to this that I would highly recommend you listen to the interview about. And then some of it, it's just like, yeah, it's just not gonna get shared because it's, you know, it's proprietary information. But the gist of it is what their plan was got really messed up by the pandemic and just all the complications that causes. Fair, right? Fair. Well, most of our lives did, <laughs> right? Most of our lives did in many, many ways. Some tragic, some some just business-like, right? And this is one of those business-like things where it just got really messed up. So what happened was because these plans and the timing, basically, the timing, just everything is still going to happen. It sounds like not everything, right? There's certain things like for a while, uh, Hickman was going to write a Children of the Vault, or not Hickman necessarily, but somebody's going to write a Children of the Vault book. There was a Share Imperial Guard book, maybe. Those things, like, like certain things got just canned, it sounds like. But in general, it sounds like the plans just got pushed. Everything just got pushed. Again, Hickman's phrasing here is, we punted a year of comics. Like, they've been basically in a holding pattern, right? They've been basically running out the clock, okay? Whatever sports analogy you want to use here, right? Did they punt? To, uh, to make it a possession game? Did they, were they playing four corners offense in basketball to run out the clock? However you want to put it, that's what Ten of Swords and the Reign of X have been. So criticisms to that effect, which I have levied at times when the comics have not been as good or up to snuff in my opinion, uh, have been <laughs> totally accurate. They're like accurate beyond, I think, what we were all even led to believe, you know, is like, yes, the X office was holding the ball and waiting. What are they waiting for? Well, they're waiting for Inferno. Okay. Inferno is the big final Hickman event to put a lot of uh, pieces in place, right? So it's going to hopefully answer a lot of questions that Hickman posed in House of X and Powers of 10. But then it is also hopefully, uh, you know, because this is comics and it's ongoing comics, it's going to put more pieces in place for the cool stuff they've been waiting to do to actually happen. Okay, so it's this weird position now of I very much want to enjoy Inferno. I very much want to enjoy Inferno, but the hype machine that is ongoing comics and solicits and all that is saying, yeah, and after Inferno, everything you wanted that was cool, that's coming. Like it all starts in 2022, basically. So it's like we got Inferno through the end of December. We have the X lives and X deaths of Wolverine, or the 10 lives and 10 deaths of Wolverine in January and February, I think it's going to be. I can't remember now. Is it is it eight weeks? Is it 10 weeks? I don't remember exactly. And then the line's going to pick up again. And Hickman, in this interview, he talks about they've had writers that haven't been announced yet who have like six, eight months in the X office of planning, right? They have series that haven't been announced yet that have all this planning that are ready to go. So it's like they have all these books that hopefully are really exciting and really good. And all these creators that are bringing in, which like, yes, the X office needs a general influx, I think, of new exciting creators every so often, if it's going to sustain this momentum, which at this point, <laughs> it already hasn't. It already hasn't. I mean, that's the reality is like, the Krakoa era has not sustained the momentum of House of X and Powers of 10. That was always going to be the hardest thing for it to do 
it has not done it. Whether you want to attribute that to the realities of the pandemic, uh, to the realities of publishing getting really messed up, or if you just want to attribute that to, that's a near impossible challenge. And, and they were never going to do that unless, unless they did what people like myself probably would have preferred. And they really limited what the Dawn of X was, and they moved between these Hickman-driven tentpoles faster, right? Um, but instead, it's a, it's a slow burn, it's a long play, and it's Marvel trying to sit in this era of successful, um, you know, X-Men comics and, uh, and, and, you know, see where it goes from there. All right, somebody said there's a rectangle on the screen. I think it should be gone now. <laughs> Hopefully that's done with that. Um, but, okay, so that's why we're waiting for 2022, essentially, is like the X office and the creatives have been waiting for 2022 as well. Um, now, the problem with this, the biggest problem with this, is this is literally the stock and trade answer of every Marvel office, of every editorial group uh, for time memorial, right? Like, it's always gonna be the best <laughs> because that gets you excited to buy more comics when they come, right? So the idea here that like, oh, we've been sitting on so much cool stuff, you're gonna love it, we've been sitting on everything awesome, um, just wait, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, that's all just a carrot, right? And and it's, on, it's dangling on a stick above us, and is it real? We'll see. We'll see, right? And that's the challenge of next year is who are these creators? What are these new titles? What are the plans? What can these books actually do? Like, like here's the thing, is after Inferno and after 10 Lives and 10 Deaths, which has a lot riding on it as well, um, if there's a clear sense of momentum again, I mean, they, they need to reestablish momentum. They need to reestablish, we're doing stuff with Moira. We're doing stuff with Lifelines. We're doing stuff with all the powers of 10 sci-fi that got everybody excited, got me super excited in that in the House of X and Powers of 10. We're actually doing that now. We're not just sitting on all these cool ideas and not touching them and slow burning them and playing them up like mysteries that maybe we'll get to one day, maybe we won't. If they actually push that momentum and all the books reflect that, we could be in for a really exciting era of or a rejuvenation of X-Men comics. And, you know, I want to be clear here, because if you don't follow me regularly, like, you know, there's there's a, a sense of, of doom and of, of disappointment here. Um, I've enjoyed a lot of stuff in the Reign of X, right? This doesn't literally mean, oh, no good comics. They, they punted. They weren't trying to push the ball forward. Therefore, nothing was good. That's not true, right? The good stuff has been really good. Just the line as a whole has not progressed with a sense of consistency and momentum that was what we expected. And now we literally have the head of X coming out and saying like, yeah, we know we couldn't, <laughs> we wanted to, but we couldn't. I'm still fuzzy on, in a lot of ways, like on the whys of that, you know, cause it's like, okay, scheduling got messed up. So they couldn't quite do what they wanted in terms of timing. I don't really get why not, honestly, <laughs> like, like, I don't know. It would require more questioning and more spreadsheets and, and more stuff, but it's like, why couldn't you just tell cooler stories earlier? <laughs> like, like, what was, why, why did we have to waste time? I don't totally get it. Um, but it didn't happen, right? It didn't happen, and here we are, and now it's supposed to be happening. Um, so really, through the end of this year, like, I'm, all, I'm just playing a waiting game for what's going to happen in Inferno. How cool is it going to be? Is it going to live up in any way to what House and Power set up? It's not going to be as good. It's just not. It just can't recapture that magic, right? I don't... I don't care how many slam dunks there are at the end of this. It's just, there's nothing that recaptures the magic of building that world, I don't think. Um, but it could be great. It could still be great. And is it going to deliver in such a way that I'm actually excited about a post-Hickman future? It's a really hard thing. It's a really hard thing to pull off. Um, we might be past that window. Truly, we might be past the window, right? It may it may just be a situation where we'll, all, we'll always have House of X and Powers of Ten, which Hickman himself described as a banger. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. We'll always have that. We'll always have that energy and and that moment. Um, and then you have the Kirko era, which can be a pretty normal era of X-Men comics. It can still be a pretty good to normal era of X-Men comics. I think the hope, though, the hope, though, was that it was really going to be great, was that it was really going to be something special in the history of Marvel Comics. And what it might be instead, what it might be instead, is just a really good moment in X-Men comics. 
um, you know, something that holds up in terms of like, hey, this is like, you know, people look back on this as fondly as, as people look back on the, the Claremont era of X-Men, right? With, with Simonson and Ascenti and when you have more plate spinning and more series, right? It could be at that level. Um, it had the potential to be truly, truly great. And we might have passed it. We might have passed it, right? So, I mean, it's one of those things where like, I'm increasingly of the mindset, especially through these these final months where everything just feels like, I don't know, you know, like I said, like like kind of running out the clock in between issues of Inferno, um, even the good stuff, right? Like I still like New Mutants a lot. I still like Hellions a lot. I still like Sword a lot. Love these comics. Um, but even though it feels like running out the clock a little bit in between Inferno and trying to get to the next thing, and uh, there might just be a reality here of... Yeah, a lot of these series, like it's not going to, it's just not going to be a you have to read everything and it's exciting to read everything moment of X-Men anymore, right? There's going to be a bunch of series that realistically I would look at and say like, I'll binge them on a Marvel Unlimited later at some point, you know, the way I would with a lot of Marvel comics, right? I don't try to keep up with literally everything. I try to keep up with the best stuff. Like it's increasingly important to me to spend time focusing on comics that I think I'm going to love. Not comics that just keep me up to date with what's going on in big two superhero universes. That is something I've spent a lot of time doing. If you follow Comic Book Herald, you know, right? Do reading orders for everything that's coming out from these big two superhero universes. Um, but it's not super fulfilling to do all the time, you know? And I think the X-Men in this moment is past the point of being super fulfilling. The stuff that I'm getting a lot of value out of right now, like I said is Inferno, Sword, Hellions, New Mutants, and I am looking forward to the conclusion of Trial of Magneto. I'm less looking forward to the whole thing, but I'm looking forward to the actual conclusion. And uh, initially, at the start of the Dawn of X, there was that real power of like, I not only have to, but I want to read everything. Um, and we've lost that. And I, I don't know that you can recapture that momentum, but fingers crossed, Inferno could be that good. 10 lives, 10 deaths, it could be that good. Um, will it be? It's hard to do. That is hard to do, right? Like, that's the thing. House of X and Powers of 10, events of that caliber do not come along often. It just doesn't happen, right? That's why they're special. That's why they're moments. You know, a series that just ended last week, Immortal Hulk, ended with its 50th issue. Books that good don't come along that often. That's why they're special, you know? So you have to enjoy that stuff while it's happening. Um, I think, I think, you know, I have very much enjoyed this X-Men era. Um, it's not over, but I think the magic might be. I think the magic might be. And I think the, the sooner I admit that, <laughs> the less time I'm beating myself up over, you know, like wanting Excalibur to be better, right? Or these certain things where it's like, it's fine. It's fine. You can just, you can read the stuff you like, like every other line of comics, and, uh, and, and you're going to make it. <laughs> we're all, we're all going to be all right out here. These are just comics. Um, so, you know, we're playing that waiting game. I'm excited. Uh, speaking of waiting games, that's what's going on in Trial of Magneto. Okay. Uh, issue three came out today. Um, it, it also kind of just burning out the clock on a five issue mini, five issue mini. Uh, we'll talk about that. Let's talk about, we'll talk about Trial of Magneto number three here in some, some serious detail. First, I want to answer some questions. Um, as Trial of Magneto goes on, are you losing more and more faith with Leah Williams as an ex-office writer? Seems a lot are sharing that sentiment more and more as the series goes. Uh, I am not in any way losing faith in Leah Williams as a writer in the ex-office. I think she's a great fit. Um, I think she has done some of the most interesting work in her time. I think she, she's definitely been one of my favorite, like, younger, up-and-coming type writers. Uh, I do think Trial of Magneto has dipped. Absolutely. Um, as I'm going to talk about when I go through it, I think there are some, there's a balance here of mistaken marketing and mistaken like emphasis put on this story and Williams and Wernick kind of dropping the ball, I think for a couple issues, dropping, at least dropping the momentum, you know, of, of what this series maybe could have been. Um, but there's also like, again, like put this in the context of I mean, just look at the challenge here, right? So, like, Marvel Editorial is like, hey, Lee Williams, we're going to cancel X-Factor, which fans of the book love it to death. Everyone who loved X-Factor, it was their favorite X-Men book, 
Okay, does that mean it was the best X-Men book? No, but the people who loved it, it was their favorite X-Men book. And here comes editorial and, and the, the powers that be, right? The big bad editorial. And, you know, it's essentially it's, we're gonna cancel X-Factor because you have this cool story idea to do with Magneto and Scarlet Witch, murder mystery kind of thing. And we're gonna make that its own event. We're gonna call it the trial of Magneto. That'll bump up the sales, et cetera, et cetera, right? While we do that, while we do that, it's gonna come out at the same time as uh, you might know this guy, Jonathan Hickman's Inferno. <laughs> and the two series aren't gonna connect in any way. They're not going to acknowledge each other's existence. So your event is going to exist in a vacuum, uh, separate from Inferno, and you need to win over readers at that exact same time. <laughs> what kind of a, what kind of like setting someone up for success is that? You know, it's the exact opposite, clearly. Like that, that's an absolute recipe for disaster. Trial of Magneto, these five issues should be X Factor 11 through 15. Like unquestionably, it's just a continuation of X Factor, which is what we expected going in more or less. Um, but that first issue, especially Trial Magneto number one, really set the stage potentially for like, oh, this could be a big proper Marvel event. Like we got Magneto out here, like really focusing on his character and him getting weird. And what's that gonna mean for Inferno? Cause at that point it was coming out before the event. That could have been interesting. Well, that's not the game we're playing. That's not the game we're playing. What we're doing is we're telling a small X Factor mini or, or alternatively, what actually would have made more sense is to call this Scarlet Witch issue one through five. <laughs> like it's, it, I get it sales wise, you know, calling it the Trial of Magneto sounds cool or whatever. Um, why not just Scarlet Witch one through five? This is gonna be a Scarlet Witch story. I mean, it already is clearly. Uh, WandaVision was huge at the start of this year. Huge, 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 right? There's no Scarlet Witch ongoing. There's nothing, like people literally are Googling, and I've said this before, people are Googling like, hey, what's the WandaVision comic I should read? There's no comic called WandaVision. You can't read anything. <laughs> of course, that's not true, right? You read, you read Vision or you read, you know, Scarlet Witch solo or you read House of M or whatever. Um, but launching a Scarlet Witch solo makes sense. It could work. Uh, but that's not what this is called. That's not what this is called, despite the fact that that's clearly what this series is. Uh, so anyway, roundabout way of saying, no, I haven't lost any faith in, in Lee Williams as an ex-office writer. I think she belongs. I think she's doing great work and will continue to. I think this series is, the middle of it is going to be, it, it's already, the middle of it's rough. The middle of it's not great. Um, I, I don't think it suits her strengths. I don't think it was set up for success. Um, the first issue I loved, I'm hopeful that the fifth issue, maybe it'll be the bookends of this or fine or, or good even. Um, and at the middle of the road, again, like this, reading this on a weekly basis, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't pass muster. It doesn't hold up to that. So uh, anyway, I have, I have no lack of faith in Lee Williams. Again, like too, like even going before House and Powers, um, Lee was the writer doing the most interesting what if magic was Sorcerer Supreme, um, the Emma Frost X-Men Black issue, um, the Age of X Extremists, which was the like the only Age of X book that was on any of my like best of type stuff that year. So like, no, no, no lack of faith. Uh, great writer, but Trial Magneto is, is struggling a bit. Um, okay, we got a question here in the Super Chat. They talked about the captain in Trials of Magneto, but they didn't show them. Why do you think they even mentioned them without showing the captains in the fight? Uh, just to give Cyclops something to do. Because <laughs> that is, you know, at, at this point, and the continuity is super muddled and messy, um, but at this point, Cyclops is probably still Captain Commander. So, uh, you know, I, th I think this is probably before Inferno number one. So, like, that would be his role to, to reach out and be like, hey, I'll get the War Captains ready. Uh, because, oh, by the way, I haven't really talked about the plot here. Uh, giant Kaiju <laughs> attack Krakoa for no reason, no discernible reason at this point. Um, so, <laughs> so, like, yeah, I think it's just Cyclops fulfilling his War Captain role. Um, why not show them? Great question. Great question. No, no legitimate answer there beyond capacity and focusing on the Avengers. Um, <laughs> Super chat here from Thomas. Don't be so sad, Dave. At least Avengers is still really good. Yeah, uh, Avengers is rough. So here's the thing. I'm not sad. I'm not sad. I'm fine. I'm fine, guys. Everything's okay. Um, truly, though, like, I'm not... I, I've passed the point of, like, being worried and bummed out about X-Men, this is this is the acceptance phase, <laughs> right? This is the acceptance phase where where it's like, okay, this is just, it's just a different moment now and treating the Krakoa era like it's this grand special experiment, um, I'm probably past that. I'm probably past that as a reader where now it's just like, no, I'll just, I'll just fixate on the stuff that I love, you know? I'll just fixate on the stuff that I love, which is sword 
and Hellions and however Inferno is going to end. And like I said, New Mutants. I think New Mutants is super exciting. I mean, you know, talking about looking forward to stuff in 2022, you know, I've got a cover up here solicited of, um, it's not up right next to me right now, but uh, uh, New Mutants number 25. It's going to be Vidal and Rod Reese again. Uh, we got a Labors of Magic story arc, okay? We got the return of Madeline Pryor being teased and that being super relevant, which I've been talking about for feels like months now that like, okay, Maddie's coming back in Hellions and probably that means she's resurrected in Inferno. What does that mean? Et cetera, et cetera. And I've talked about it to death. Um, but that story arc sounds awesome. Like New, New Mutants is going to continue to be really good. The Shadow King stuff's happening right now is really good, right? So like there's plenty of stuff I'm excited about. Also, like here's the thing. I read a lot of comics that aren't X-Men comics. <laughs> Those are really good too. I'm more excited about comics this last two weeks than I've been um, probably in like, you know, three, four months. I mean, I've just been voraciously reading everything I can get my hands on right now. Um, and, and I'm having a great time, having a great time doing it. I'm doing a lot more creators, uh, creator interviews these past few weeks. You know, I'm doing, I've got like one or two a week, which is a lot. And, and when I do a creator interview, you know, I like to read not only the work that we're going to be discussing, but I try to read pretty much everything in that creator's catalog. Um, so I try to book guests. I try to get people where I'm like, yeah, I really want to read all their work. <laughs> right? I don't want it to be homework. Um, coming up this week, I got uh, Cliff Chang. Uh, the He did uh, um, Catwoman Lonely City just came out today, a DC Black Label book that is absolutely outstanding. Highly recommend people check that out. Um, so I'm binging Paper Girls as well, which uh, which which Cliff did with um, Brian K. Vaughn. Turns out I never read Paper Girls. <laughs> like, I could have swore. I think I, maybe I read the first volume. And in my head, I had read Paper Girls. Turns out, no, because I don't remember a thing that happened beyond like issue five. And I'm having a blast doing that. Um, I'm interviewing a a less uh, you know kind of mainstream attention getting, uh, but an up and coming creator Olivia Stevens on Friday. I've been reading her web comic Alone. Check out Alone comic Alone hyphen comic dot com, which is awesome. She's got a YA graphic novel coming out already in the Wolf Moon. Uh, which was really interesting. So I, I, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't get through all the comics I want to read right now. <laughs> I can't. I like, I just, I've got, I've got stacks. I've got piles. I mean, I can't, you know, they're over on the chair over there, but like, I've got so many to get through and I've got so many good ones to read still. So I'm not worried about comics. I'm not having a bad time reading comics. I am just less fixated on X-Men, um, <laughs> which, you know, is, uh, Hopefully that shifts, though. Hopefully that shifts. And, like, next week it's going to shift, right? Inferno number two is going to come out. I'll be focused on X-Men again. Um, you know, but uh, but but we're in a different phase. We're in a different phase in our lives here. Uh, what else do we want to talk about? All right, let's see. So, yeah, Trial Magneto, you know, I mean, I don't know that I have a heck of a lot more to say. So, writer Lee Williams, we've got artist Lucas Wernick, David Messina, colors by Edgar Delgado, letters by Clayton Cowles. So, all right, here's the, here's the specifics of what we learn in Trial of Magneto number three. Um, oh, should, we should talk about Saga. It is coming back, and I can't wait either. Uh, so in Trial Magneto number three here, we learn that Wanda, who showed up at the end of issue two, this is a resurrected Wanda, okay? But her backup is old. Charlie only had an old backup uh, before she married Vision, but after she fell in love with him, okay? So we're somewhere in the 70s, between approximately 1973 and 1977, I want to say, and uh, but before she knew Billy and Teddy, right? She doesn't have kids. She doesn't know who they are. How Billy got here? Like how's how Billy's in this issue? I have no idea. <laughs> we last saw Billy in the last Annihilation crossover event, written by L. Ewing, or you know at least the the core of it. Um, somehow, or not Billy and Teddy, Billy and Tommy. Uh, I don't think Teddy's here, but uh, I don't know how Billy's here. Whatever, he just spelled himself onto the island apparently for this moment. Um, but so this Wanda, like she doesn't know what's happened with the Scarlet Witch. Like again, like since the mid 1970s. Um, so Rachel Summers and Jean Grey, they decide like, hey, let's, um, let's, uh, <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta not be looking at the screen because I keep mousing over it just out of fidgetiness and I'm putting stuff up on the screen. Uh, Rachel and Jean are like, hey, let's give Wanda her memories, right? Which apparently they can do without a Cerebro. Explain that to me. I don't know. Um, they're, they, so they're all just like, hey, what are the, here's the continuity of, of Scarlet Witch. Um, which I gotta say, when someone has the history of Wanda, which is rough, rough stuff since John Byrne, West Coast Avengers in the late 1980s, um, rough stuff. I'd, I'd ask her, I'd like consider whether or not she wants those memories. <laughs> Before just dumping all that back in her head. I don't know. That seems like a lot. That seems like a great way to to break a person. 
Um, but they just do it and they don't ask that, which, you know, hey, that, that checks out with Gene's resume. Um, so anyway, they do that. Uh, it's, it's a little weird again, that this isn't like a Scarlet Witch mini because it is, <laughs> that's a Scarlet Witch story. And so we have old memory Wanda resurrected on the island. She doesn't know what's going on. We have all these kaijus popping up out of the water, attacking Krakoa for, to give the Avengers and the X-Men some action to do. This stuff actually reminds me a little bit of Avengers Disassembled. If you've read the 2004 event, Brian Michael Bendis, David Finch. Um, I guess spoilers for Avengers Disassembled. If, you, if you're unfamiliar, you want to mute this for a minute or whatever. But uh, in, in that event, you know, Wanda, as her chaos magic kind of goes wild and runs rampant, all sorts of crazy disasters happen and they don't necessarily make any sense, but they're just happening and people have to engage with them. That's kind of what the kaijus popping up felt like, you know, just like chaos magic going wild and hey, there's these giant monsters to fight. And is there an in-story reason for this beyond action? No, but probably it's chaos magic related. Um, it, the real reveal here, I guess, at the end of things is the murdered Wanda who's still like in the chaos magic realm, kind of, you know, ladies and gentlemen, we were floating through spacing. Um, she finally meets and sees the, the person in a hood who's been stalking her. And I thought this was gonna be Agatha Harkness. It is not, it's actually old lady Wanda, okay? Um, so like old lady Wanda's here. So an older version of Wanda Maximoff is in this realm and they're gonna get together. And we've got like basically young Wanda, middle Wanda and old Wanda the, to, to get our full span of Wanda Maximoff continuity. Um, I think net net, you know, I mean, why do you tell this story and why do you tell it like this? I mean, I think it's just to, to get Wanda back, um, as a mutant and to get her back as a, as a family member of Magneto's, you know, I just like, why else would you tell this story? Um, so I mean, the question just popped up, like, because it's so Scarlet Witch, do you think they're trying to wreck on her to be a mutant again? Uh, yeah, I don't know why else you tell this story, I guess. Um, like what would be the point? You know, um, which is an interesting question to answer. Like, that is the challenge that, that Williams and the team face. Um, but I, I have to think that's how this ends. I don't, you know, initially I thought like, oh, and then that would have ramifications for Inferno and yada yada. But it's like, okay, this stuff isn't going to play together, or at least it hasn't so far. So maybe that's irrelevant. Um, it could lead to a moment of like Scarlet Witch showing up as a mutant on Krakoa at the end of Inferno. But again, let's not cross our fingers on that front. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I do. I think I think it's all kind of building to... Let's get Scarlet Witch back on Krakoa. Again, I don't really know what putting us through these paces would be for, if not for that. Um, to have Wanda kind of reclaim, I, I think to have her reclaim being a mutant, being connected to Magneto, this Marvel continuity that is like clearly what most readers gravitate towards. You know, like, like most readers are not like, hey, you know, put some respect on the wizard's name. <laughs> Like, we need to reestablish that continuity. Like, most are like, yeah, like, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch should be Magneto's children. That continuity I like. Uh, that family dynamic is interesting. And um, and then have Wanda be a mutant again, because that that is a part of her story. And then I think, like, bigger picture than that even is, like, having Wanda actually sort of reclaiming who she is and not just being this victim, essentially, of destruction, you know, where it's these writers putting, using her as a weapon essentially. Um, she can reclaim that and actually have some ownership of her life in story. I think that's the best version of this. Um, I don't know that we're going to get it, but um, that's what I expect. There's a question here. What about Quicksilver? No mutant rebirth for him? That'd be funny. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm for Wanda going through an entire miniseries and all sorts of wild chaos magic and reestablishing her mutanthood and Magneto as her dad, but everyone just straight up forgetting about Quicksilver, <laughs> not no one addressing it. Uh, that actually would be ideal. I'm into it. If the story ends with Wanda and Pietro being mutants and children of Magneto, I'll consider this book a win, says Blake. Yeah, same, same. I mean, that would feel that would feel worth it. That would feel good. I, I the other if the other outcomes are just kind of like, ooh, discord between Magneto and Charlie. Like, there's a lot of ways to have done that. And it will be very strange to have this be so Scarlet Witch-centric and not have those outcomes. Um, but again, the challenge there is like, well, okay, but that feels maybe kind of obvious. So how do you how do you twist that or how do you do that in a way that people don't see coming? And hopefully the final couple issues can, can touch on that a bit. Okay. Um, yeah, there is a note here. So Wanda is in the Darkhold story, which is happening right now too. I... I think Jordan White answered this in one of the, the X-Men Mondays, whether that is before or after Trial of Magneto. Um, 
I guess it must be before, because otherwise you'd be saying, yes, she is absolutely coming back, which would feel like a bit of a spoiler. Uh, so I guess I'm reading Darkhold as before, but again, X-Men continuity has finally gloriously ascended to the muddled, muddled realm <laughs> of mainstream Marvel comics. Um, okay. I think that's going to do it for, for Trial of Magneto, at least as far as my notes go. The quick comment for the next issue reads, uh, Time to Face Yourself. Okay, which obviously Old Lady Wanda popping up is going to be Wanda talking to Wanda's ghost future past. Uh, again, I was really high on this first issue. I wanted you know to add Williams to the club of, of titles I'm really genuinely excited about. Uh, Trial Magneto 2 and 3 have not done this for me, but you know definitely I've, I've lost that, that fire for this, that interest in this. Um, but I am curious to see how it ends. I'm still, I think, I consider the conclusion one of the most interesting comics coming up. Again, there are 11 X-Men comics through the end of the year that I'm excited to read. <laughs> I counted them today. There are 11 of them through the end of 2022. Um, Trial Magneto number five is one of them. Trial Magneto number five is one of them. The rest of Inferno, the rest of Sword, Hellions, New Mutants. That's, that's it. Um, all right. So what other, what other stuff do we got? I think other questions today. Again, Super Chat will remain available through the end of the recording here. Um, I told you all, it's a light week. It's a light week. It's not a heck of a lot of news. There's not a heck of a lot going on um, in X-Men. And obviously, I, I've made my my general enthusiasm clear at the front of this. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, shouts to the Rectangle today for making a billion appearances. I guess normally, uh, normally I don't... Yeah, I either don't fidget this much, which that's not true, um, or I just don't hold up uh hold up the screen quite like this but here we are it's gonna happen uh, i will be uploading the audio here tonight as a podcast again i know a bunch of you were asking for that with casual Kirk Hose in the past um i did do that for the previous casual Kirk Hose that i did a couple weeks ago and i'll do it for this one as well if you're curious where you can get that audio um just check comicbookherald.com you know it should go up sometime tomorrow or subscribe to the Comic Book Herald podcast. Uh, it's either, either search for Comic Book Herald or Best Comics Ever in your podcast player of choice, and you should be able to find it. Um, and then I'll, I'll upload these Casual Kirkoses audio for those of you who want to listen to them in podcast form uh, primarily or instead, uh, which I would I would understand. So I appreciate you know a bunch of people telling me that they wanted that. Uh, duly noted, I will, I will do that. Okay. Uh, bah, 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 bah. Did you hear Saga's coming back? I did. I'm excited about it. Um, Brian K. Vaughn is, is very good. Very good at comics. Venus Staples is great. Uh, you know, I think I'm actually like, maybe like, like the last arc or maybe the last two arcs behind on Saga. I kind of waited it out. Um, I've got all the issues behind me here. But uh, I, I need to actually, I need to do a little catch up. I was kind of waiting until it was going to come back to do that. You know, I was thinking about when it comes back, if there was something saga related, that'd be fun to do here in video form or in, um, you know, just like in live conversations or something. But I'm not exactly sure what that would be yet. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, I think even like Binge Mode did like a saga read, which is, you know, probably like the only comic they did. Um, so there's a lot of that out there. But definitely myself, I'll be going back and rereading uh, at least the, the end of the series because I kind of don't remember or haven't read how it ended actually. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to it coming back. You know, I, I got, I'm curious if my local comic shop's going to remember that I had a poll, right? It's been like three years now, right? Um, I, I think my biggest question is, will my LCS remember that uh, that I had sock on my pull list? I have to think so. I have to think so. Uh, they can be very flighty. I don't know how, how all your LCSs work, but mine gets weird often. Like a lot of times I show up and it's like, it'll be a few weeks and I'm like, wait, like I haven't seen like a Black Hammer issue in like three weeks. Like what's going on? I get all those. Um, and then it's like, wait, why? I've been collecting Batman Urban Legends for like 10 weeks. I'm like, what? Why is this in my poll? I never asked for this. Um, although the Chips Zdarsky Red Hood stuff's good. The Matt, the Matt Rosenberg uh, Grifter stuff is good. So it's like win-win. Sometimes my, my shop will just like sneak stuff in too. You know, they're like, they do a little like R-I-Y-L, right? Like read if you like, you know, type stuff. And they're like, they just like slide an issue in where it's like, hey, we thought you might like this. And I'm like, well, I, I do, but also I get review comps. <laughs> for Comic Book Herald, and I don't, I don't need every image book, so thank you. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll see if they remember Saga. I hope that they can. Question here. At the end of everything before 2022, what do you think is going to happen in the X-Men series? Specifically, X-Men by, by Duggan and LaRaz, I, I take that question to mean. Um, I, okay, so I'm not the biggest fan of the series so far, clearly, but... 
I do think by the end of the series, Ben Urich will reveal her Cohen resurrection. That is what the arc is building towards, I believe. Um, and the world will know, per some of Orca's designs, some of just the mutants being sloppy, that they have resurrection capabilities. And I think that will set the stage then for the continuation of the run into 2022, where, okay, now the world knows about that, people are after it, people are more desperate, maybe that ups the ante in terms of like threats of people infiltrating Krakoa, of, of nations not wanting to work with them. You know, you've already got the UK saying we're not going to work with you, like through the Hellfire Gal and Pages Excalibur and stuff. Um, maybe that starts to escalate a little bit more where they're like, hey, Krakoa, you're being too selfish. Please share your resurrection capabilities. Uh, that is kind of how I expect X-Men to build to. Um, okay, so the question is no total. Okay. Um, well, that was my thought on just X-Men. <laughs> Total big picture. Uh, hmm. I mean, I've talked about it a lot in the Inferno-type reviews we've done. Um, I think... Where do I think that... Where do we think the line will go, basically, post-Inferno into 2022? Um, I don't expect there to be the bomb reset of a new lifeline. I don't think we're quite going to get there yet. I think Krakoa will look very different. I think Krakoa's council will no longer include Professor X and Magneto, or they will not be nearly as prominent, right? I think we're going to see, like, Emma, we're going to see Destiny, we're going to see Mystique, um, we're going to see maybe Madeline Pryor, we're going to see all these characters maybe who weren't a part of the power, you know, of of this island, um, ascending to leadership status. I think it's going to be more democratized, less just, like, you know, big, important, you know, quote-unquote men driving everything, um, I think Moira is going to be out in the open. I think all of mutant kind is going to know about Moira Rose, excuse me, Moira McTaggart. Um, I think, well, they're, they're all going to watch Shit's Creek as well. So they're all going to know about Moira Rose and they're also going to learn about Moira McTaggart. Um, and, uh, and they'll know what's going on and they will know her secret and they will know what she is planning. And Krakow is going to react to that accordingly. So I think one of the most interesting things that can come out of that is now you get all of mutant kind deciding how they want to react to this fight for survival into the future you know because right now no one no mutant is making a decision on what to do about that beyond professor rex magneto and moira right maybe mr sinister has inklings maybe emma knows now um but like wolverine cyclops right all our favorite mutants they aren't making any decisions they aren't deciding they have no say in the matter in terms of the long-term survival of mutant kind. So I think that's going to change. And I actually think that makes the era potentially the most interesting um, moving forward, where now everyone had, gets to have an opinion and they get to have a voice on what do we do about this? What's the right approach? I mean, it's not dissimilar. And this is something I've been percolating for a while now, but like, so Destiny and Moira, I mean, it's not explicitly this at all, but it's it's they they feel analogous to me to like you know people coming in and warning people about climate change, right? About scientists coming in and saying, "Hey, here's the data. In X amount of years, climate change is going to lead to X, Y, and Z," right? And then now you're going to have a mutant society faced with that vision, faced with that impending disaster of mutant kind, you know, that we lose reality and needing to make up their minds. And much like climate change, I think what you're going to get then story-wise is, you know, a less realistic version of this, but you're going to get different opinions and you're going to get different takes on how to react to that information. And you're going to get people who weaponize that and use it for their own gain and et cetera, et cetera, right? And it, it adds this whole cultural societal element that is not there currently. Um, I think just freeing Myra is going to be one of the best things the book can do, right? And just having her present and around and engaging in conversation and stuff is is fascinating to me um yeah so i, I kind of think that's where everything's going you know again i don't see i don't see moira yet um you know resetting a lifeline um and the question would be you know there's all this build up in inferno number one and we'll talk about this next week in inferno number two but it's like okay the cure is clearly a major player here. Um, does Myra want to take the cure herself? Does she want to just put it out there? I mean, she probably wants to take it herself, but then if she does that, well then, in theory, there's then no future lifeline resets. So what does that mean? Um, 
that's a tricky question, right? And that's that's the Hickman of it all. So, all right. I think that's enough on that for now. We're obviously going to go deep on that in Inferno number two next week. Um, do you think this reboot in comics after Hickman is kind of the same as the X office not having a head and more of a democracy? I mean, yeah, literally, for sure, it's that. Um, that that's what everyone has said. Like that. That's that's what it's going to be. You know, it's there's no head of X. It's not going to be. Really, never was. And uh, it's kind of just, you know, it's now it's, you know, Jordan D. White is the, the head editor on the line. Like, that's normally how comics work. Um, and it, it's going to continue, continue to work that way, that way, rather. Uh, what about Madeline Pryor? Um, yeah, she'll be back. <laughs> she'll be, she'll be as underboobed as ever. And, uh, and doing her thing. I, I do think, you know, I've said for a while, like, I, so clearly there's this build to the unresurrectables coming back, right? Madeline Pryor. Maybe you throw strife in that mix, although who cares? Um, I don't know who else. Uh, Evan Sabiner, you know, for sure. I think maybe you get them all back by Inferno 3, 4, I think would be nice. Um, although the fact that Madeline Pryor's teased at the end of Hellions, number 18, and all of these series kind of, you know, the, the feel of it time-wise is Inferno comes maybe after everything else going on through the end of December. So maybe Maddie comes back just... Uh, through this push to get to get her resurrected before Inferno anyway. So maybe it won't maybe play into Inferno at all anyway. I would prefer that it did. I think that'd be cool. It'd be a nice callback to the original. Um, that was my original theory for sure. But, you know, <laughs> we'll see. So th thanks everybody for listening. Uh, if you have any final questions here, um, you know, I got, a, I got a few minutes. I can tackle a handful, but otherwise we are coming up on the end. Okay. I think we're good. I think we're good here. Uh, yeah, thanks everybody for listening. Really appreciate it. I'm Dave. You can find my stuff at comicbookherald online. You can go to comicbookherald.com for all. We have some really, really great essays coming out through the end of October. Uh, so head on over there. Again, I will drop this as a podcast. So check out the Comic Book Herald or Best Comics Ever podcast uh, on whatever player of choice, and you can get that there. Also check out the My Marvelous Year podcast. We just started our releasing episodes for 1993. My Marvelous Year is the podcast where we read through. Marvel Comics from Origins to Today. So we started in 1961 with Fantastic Four number one, and now we are all the way up to 1993. We don't read literally everything. We read the essential, the curated best comics of those years, best and most important, which I've already selected all the way from 61 to 2010. Um, so we just started in 1993. Our last episode was out on Venom, Lethal Protector, and Maximum Carnage. Um, coming up, we're going to have stuff on Infinity Crusade, the the end of the trilogy by Jim Starlin there, the start with Infinity Gauntlet, and uh, X-Men Fatal Attractions is coming up here soon as well. So if that sounds like fun, come check it out. Again, you can go to MyMarvelThisYear.com, check out the MyMarvelThisYear podcast, and your podcast player of choice. Um, you can go to Patreon.com slash MyMarvelThisYear if you want to join and get access to the full spreadsheet, all that stuff. And you don't have to pay to play, right? There's We link all the comics all the comics we're doing in the show notes. They're also listed free on, on CBH. Um, I see a question here. How's your day been? Fine. <laughs> Fine. Not bad. Thanks for asking. Uh, no complaints. Uh, I had a, yeah, yeah that's too personal. Um, but <laughs> things are going all right. I appreciate you asking. Uh, how does your Patreon work is a question. Um, so I have, I have two Patreons kind of, uh, so there's, there's patreon.com slash comic book Herald that supports me <laughs> personally, comic book Herald.com comic book Herald on YouTube, uh, the comic book Herald podcast. Okay. And the benefits there will be things like, one, it's just priority access to my time, essentially. Uh, questions, you know, I prioritize everything on there. Um, also, there's stuff like I do some reading lists for people paying at a certain um, a tier, like just monthly recommended reading kind of playlists. Um, what else do I do? Uh, you can, there's other benefits, like for certain tiers, you can like come on the podcast and talk comics with me, um, which somebody did recently, which was super fun. Um, priority questions, which I already mentioned, the handful of other things. And then the other Patreon is patreon.com slash my marvelous year. That is specifically for the podcast. And the reason I separated it into two is because I co-host that with, um, with Zach and now Charlotte Fierro. And, uh, that just helps obviously divvy things up, uh, proportionally. Um, but with that, you get access to, uh, at certain tiers, you can get access to the full spreadsheet of all the comics that we're selecting year by year, which I update pretty much yearly. Although actually that's gotten a lot harder post Marvel Unlimited updates. So <laughs> no thanks for that. Um, and uh, at the $5 tier for $5 a month, you can get access to the exclusive My Marvel Slack channel, 
which is where uh, all the cool kids hang out. It's where the Reading Club hangs out. It's probably like, I don't know, 200, 250 strong or something. Great community. My absolute favorite comics community. Um, people in there asking questions. I hop in, have conversations now and again. Uh, if that sounds of interest to you, then, uh, you know, you can do that. Um, I'm, not, I'm never going to try like a public discord <laughs> it sounds insane uh i don't know how some folks do that um so that is that is the closest i will come to that uh is is the moment this year slack which zach does a great job running uh bring back the white rectangle for the end of this um where are these covers from so yeah the images next to me if you've been looking so the the new mutants one that's new mutants number 25 which is going to be the issue of new mutants in january 2022 i believe um, the Black Panther one is the legacy. So it's going to be legacy Black Panther number 200. It's going to be Black Panther number three in the run written by John Ridley, which I'm super excited for. It's going to be the post Tanahisi Coates run on Black Panther. That cover is art by Alex Ross with Storm and, and some of the X-Men, uh, facing down uh, T'Challa, maybe hat in hand. Um, so I'm excited for that one, especially that should be really, really cool. So those are, those are the covers, but yeah. I think it's going to do it. All right, final question. Final question here. Ryan asks, you think Phalanx Covenant ties into Hickman's X-Men? Uh, well, yeah. Um, because of the, well, I mean, yeah, in the sense that the Phalanx matter, will the Phalanx come back and matter in Inferno? It would be so weird if they don't. <laughs> it would be so weird if that's not mentioned at all. Um, I think it will. I think it will. I, I don't know that it'll be a big plot point, but I think it'll get mentioned and set up things for the future. That's that's what I'm gonna go with right now. Mm -hmm.